Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast where Lewis and I bring on people that we want to learn from. Our topics and guests are wide ranging, from entrepreneurs to professionals in all fields, and more generally, people leading unconventional lives. We bring them on to learn a little bit more about how they've done what they've done and to share that information with you all. Lewis, who do we have on the show today? In this episode, we bring on Nabir Sarma. Nabir just won the College Jeopardy tournament a couple of weeks ago, and we wanted to invite him on to, first of all, learn a little bit more about the behind the scenes process, getting on Jeopardy and what it's like to be a competitor. We dove into his strategy for doing well on the show, as well as got a little bit into his personal life, being a chemical engineering student at the University of Minnesota and some of his other interests such as music. We got a lot of value out of this interview and really enjoyed talking with him. And we think you'll enjoy listening to it. So with that, we're gonna cut to the audio and enjoy. Hey everybody. Today we have Nabir Sarma with us. Nabir, thank you for joining us. Yep, no problem. Uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. So the first question before we get into kind of chronology is I saw on your LinkedIn that your mantra is, why solve this problem? Because it's hard and interesting. Can you expand on kind of that mantra, how it came about and what it means to you? Yeah, sort of it's just a culmination of a lot of things I've done throughout both my high school and collegiate career so far where I found that the most interesting problems and those that have led me to grow the most as a person and as some like someone who's solving problems are the ones that are both difficult and interesting. And that's what I found in the workplace so far as I've worked through my co-op that I'm in currently is that the kinds of problems that are difficult and interesting are the ones that lead you to learn more things, help you develop new skills and develop on your path of life. Yeah, I think that's a great philosophy and um, will kind of separate you from some other people who are afraid to take on a challenge head on. So with that kind of as a little introduction to you, can you tell us some more quick personal background, uh, your hometown, some of those early interests and hobbies you may have had? Yeah, so I'm a sophomore at the University of Minnesota, originally from Eden Prairie, Minnesota, which is about a half hour away from Minneapolis. So I grew up in the area around the university, always sort of been interested in like STEM, science engineering related stuff. So I'm majoring in chemical engineering in college. And in high school, I was really into like academic type activities like quiz bowl and stuff. And that's ultimately, that was a huge stepping stone in me deciding that I wanted mm -hmm. to be on Jeopardy. Sure, so you did NAQT, is that right? Yep. Were you competitively successful at that? Were you on a team? Did you all do pretty well? Yeah, I think my 12th grade year, we got like tied for 31st at nationals. So oh, wow. we were all okay. right. Can sure. you explain shortly what NAQT is, just for our listeners who don't know? Yeah, so NAQT is a company, National Academic Quiz Tournaments, that runs quiz bowl tournaments across the U.S. and also internationally. I think they run tournaments in Asia as well. And I've been participating in their tournaments since since eighth grade, and I still do some like reading at tournaments nowadays for some high school tournaments in the area, mm -hmm. in the Minneapolis area. That's awesome. Prepared you well. Yeah, right. You've had, uh, so you definitely have had some practice. Jeopardy wasn't your first time doing a competitive trivia for sure. Exactly. Okay. So let's get a little bit into some of your collegiate experience so far, some of your academic information. So you said you're a chemical engineering major and you're specifically interested potentially in water fields, adhesives, consumer products. How did you kind of narrow down that niche? Cause there's a ton within chemical engineering. Yeah. So a lot of it is the types of 
people I've talked to, especially alumni of my school who have gone on to chemical engineering just because the chemical engineering program at Minnesota is so big and you get to talk to people who have had a wide variety of interests. So it's uh, not only seeing what kind, kinds of grander, like global challenges that they're able to be part of the solution for with their chemical engineering degree. It's also the kinds of opportunities that are most re readily available, especially within the Twin Cities area. There are a lot of companies that do employ chemical engineers, especially in those fields. Yeah, I think one interesting intersection that we found was your passion for caffeine or your work that you've done on, on caffeine intake. Could you tell us a little bit about that, that study that you published? Yeah, so that wasn't published per se, so that was more of a class project. So uh, okay. full disclaimer, that's not like approved by the FDA or like <laughs> research or anything of the sort. But for a class project for my biomolecular engineering class, we were asked to do some sort of mathematical modeling or analysis of a, of a molecule that is used within the human body. And my group chose to do an analysis of caffeine and how it keeps you awake. And ultimately, we wanted to have the goal of what is the best way to dose caffeine so that you can stay awake for the longest period of time. Because you can think of maybe there are multiple ways that you mm -hmm. can go about this. You could have like a steady IV drip of caffeine, or you could drink like maybe half a cup of coffee now, then wait an hour and then drink another half cup. And we found that the best way to do it is just to consume as much as quickly as possible. That being said, like, don't take this as gospel. Like, don't yeah. go home and like, 10 espresso shots. That's probably not good. I chugged like, a liter of water today because I read that yesterday. Or a, a liter of coffee this morning. Like on the 7-Eleven Bring Drunk Container Day, and you just filled up with uh, you filled up coffee instead of a Slurpee. Exactly. Oh, now I have a question for you. One more on this uh, same discussion. Does it make a difference on the medium of caffeine? So edible caffeine, hot coffee, cold, like iced coffee, or is that all mythical? Well, that's, that's something that we didn't take into account. So what we did, like, what we did, it was like literally just math. Like if we have like one molecule of caffeine, how does this travel throughout the body? Mm. We didn't take into account stuff like what is the temperature okay. or what are the, what are the other things within the coffee? So those might also be factors. We okay. If it's with milk or if it's with water or if. Yeah. So that's something that we didn't take into account. So those might also be different factors that we have no idea. Okay. Well, that's very interesting. I guess I'm going to start chugging my coffee from now on. <laughs> and in my head know that it might make me have the strongest buzz or the longest lasting <laughs> one other project we want to get into and i saw you drinking out of a branded water bottle a second ago yes is the your chemical competition and you have some punny names for that i'll let you get into from, from what i noticed on some of your projects can you tell about what that project is as well as your uh naming conventions yeah so I'm part of the Chem E Car team at the University of Minnesota. It's a sort of competition that's run through the American Institute of Chemical Engineers. Got a branded water bottle here. And at our regional conferences, we get to race these cars against teams from other schools. And the idea is not necessarily to make the car that like goes some distance the fastest, but actually on the day of the competition, they give us a distance and a load, like a amount of weight that our car has to carry. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to alter the like chemicals that are used to power the car in order to make it go that distance that they give us and then stop. So it's an exercise in both engineering and chemistry to get that precisely correct. Can you and, give an example of, of how far and how many pounds would be on, on this type of car and how big is the car? Yeah, or what so, kind of car? 
<laughs> the car is like it's pretty small it's like a model car maybe mm -hmm. like a, a couple feet by a couple feet so okay. not huge and the distance is go up to like maybe a hundred feet okay. so not too large so, because if we had to go long distances that that would then that would require like a lot of chemicals and the part of the object is to design the powering mechanism for your car using a chemical reaction that you design yourself so okay uh, with longer distances you'd have to have a lot of chemicals and there's mm -hmm. a whole safety aspect of that yeah so what about the naming scheme yeah so at minnesota last year that is t during 2018 2019 the name of our car was cardi b and for 2019-20, our car was called Wheel I Am, that's W-H-E-E-L. So our main group of people that we've had for the past two years, we started working on our car fall of 2018. And one of the biggest and best ideas that we had for our car is making these huge wheels to go on our car. We had a bunch of people comment on it at our <laughs> regional conference. It was definitely a highlight of our car and its most notable aspect. And it also serves a functional purpose as well, because for like a smaller amount of torque, you can go a further distance. So we didn't have to generate as much power on our car because of our bigger wheels. So there's a, there's a practical aspect of that as well. And so wheel I am is what we decided to car, call it this year, Cardi B, just random names of people, <laughs> like celebrities, of course, but kind of punny names as well. Yeah, I, I think that music actually speaks to another one of your passions as well, right? You're, you're very involved in the band at, at the University of Minnesota. Can you tell us something about that? Yeah, so I play clarinet in the hockey pet band. So, of course, Minnesota hockey is one of our bigger sports that we've got here. And it's, it's really great. We, every time, like before each home game at the hockey ice arena, we get to march around the whole perimeter of the arena, do a little mini parade sort of like we do at the football games, but on a smaller scale. So that's a lot of fun. And of course, for me, hockey is like one of my favorite sports. So I love watching the games as well. Now, hockey is great. Vegas is fortunate enough to have just gotten the Knights a couple of years ago. So yeah. it's very exciting. When you said walked around the perimeter, my initial thought that came to my mind was y'all on skates, like the perimeter of the rink. And then yeah. I realized you probably meant the exterior of the building. Well, it's uh, the interior of the building, but the upper like like oh, okay. the walkway that goes around. Mm. Like where uh, the concession the stands are and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay. How do the acoustics work for something like that? Is it just loud or? Oh yeah, it's like, you know, as with most athletic facilities, the acoustics aren't that great. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the sound doesn't travel too well, but people do line up like around like where the con concession stands are as we like march on by and like clap when we play like the school songs and stuff like that. So That's it's gonna be a great time. Great, yeah. That's awesome. I think uh, we'll transition now into kind of some of the more Jeopardy stuff that we have a little more background on some of your more focuses in your, in your day job, we can call it. But can you tell us about how you got on the show, how you decided to apply and that whole process? Because, you know, maybe Kyle and I will put on our trivia hats one day. Yeah. So when I was in high school, my friends and I were part of our high school's like science bowl team. So that's another like trivia related competition similar to quiz bowl. And we would practice actually in my parents' basement. And we didn't really want to practice Science Bowl for too long. We got distracted really easily. And so we would just go online and look for old Jeopardy questions and play Jeopardy like amongst, against each other. And so usually I would like 
I would win. And it got to a point where I was like so consistently winning. I thought, hey, maybe I should try to get on the show. So my freshman year of college, I took the online test, didn't go anywhere, took it again this past fall in like October. And then about a month later, I was invited to an in-person audition in St. Louis. So I got to go on a road trip down there with a couple of my other friends from Minnesota who had also been invited. So it was not just me being the only one there. There were several of us from my school. Travel did the in-person audition in November and then came back and I didn't hear anything for the next like two months. And I assumed, okay, maybe that means I didn't make it because, you know, I thought that like if I had made it, I would have known by then. But mid-January, I got a phone call. I was in the car with my little brother at the time and I heard the voice of Glenn Kagan, who is one of the contestant coordinators at Jeopardy. And he's at all the in-person auditions as well. I heard him saying like, hey, is this Nabir Sarma? This is Glenn Kagan. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I turned to my brother and I was like tapping him on the arm, like, this is it. And yeah. so flew out to LA to film the show in February and the show aired in April. That so you had, to, you had to keep it a secret awesome. for two months? Yeah. The results? So, yeah. So after we finished filming the show, it was, uh, I, of course, winning was like really fresh in my mind the day that I got back from LA. So I was kind of like poking at my roommate saying like, hey, how well do you think I did? But I didn't strictly like give away any secrets for for those two months so taking a step back though could you tell us uh, about that test and then about that audition like what what were they testing you for was it personality was it brain power like what what do you think it was yeah so the online test is definitely just knowledge so what happens is on your computer screen they'll flash like a jeopardy style clue on your screen for like like 10, 15 seconds, I don't remember the exact time, but then you have to type in the answer within those like 15 seconds, not in the form of a question, but yeah, it's just, can you answer these questions pretty quickly? And at the in-person audition, the first thing we did was another test that was in the similar format, except now they just had a projector screen and we would write our answers down on a sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. But also the second aspect of the in-person audition was more personality based where they called us up to the front of the room, right in front of the projector screen, three at a time. And we would just play through, like they had a Jeopardy board projected up onto the screen. We would just play through it and you know, answer questions using what is, who is, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then after that, they gave us like a little interview using some fun facts that we had provided for them for the audition, similar to what Alex does on the show. Sure. Was this just a competition pool or a tryout team of students for College Jeopardy exclusively? Is that what you applied for or did you apply for just Jeopardy, whoever it may come? Yeah. So on the Jeopardy website, when you sign up to take a test, you can mark like I am a college student and actually anyone who's above the age of 18 is eligible for like the regular show as well. Mm -hmm. So I was eligible for both as are like most college students are eligible for both. And so I actually got invited to audition for both, two separate auditions. So for the college audition, that was in St. Louis, Missouri. I traveled with some of my friends from college there. And I was also invited to audition for the regular show in Milwaukee a couple of weeks later. And that I didn't know anyone else who was going to that. So my dad and I just drove out to Milwaukee that weekend. And I got to audition with some older adults as well. 
Sure. Now let's get a little bit into your play on the show. Did you have a strategy going in, you know, go for the high clues, jump around, stick to what you know? Do you have like a specific game style that was researched or kind of improvised? Yeah, I know what's been popular lately has been like starting from the bottom of the board. And in fact, that's what like my friends and I all do when we're playing Jeopardy against each other. We just start from the bottom of the board. And, you know, the objective of that is to gain as much of a lead as possible by getting those higher value clues first and then going for a daily double and then hopefully doubling your money so that Mm -hmm. you can have a huge lead. So that's come into fashion quite recently. And I think a lot of us college contestants were, we had that similar idea. But bottom line is I wanted to always be in first place going into final Jeopardy because that puts you in the be- like optimal place in terms of like a betting strategy because mm-hmm. you just have to bet enough to cover anyone else from doubling their money and beating you in final jeopardy if you're in second or third place there's all these like like yeah. mental gymnastics and math and betting yeah, do you leave one dollar like behind do you leave five behind do you go for all in yeah yeah so i didn't want to have to deal with that so i wanted to be in first place going into final and that didn't happen in my first game actually in my first game in the quarterfinals, I was in third place for like pretty much the whole game. And so I had to kind of improvise on the fly and try to figure out like, what did I need to do to be able to uh, clinch a semifinal spot? But in all the rest of the games, it worked out. What was that improvisation like? It was more so getting a hang of the buzzer because, well, the signaling device that is, so when you signal in to answer, answer a question, you have to wait until Alex finishes reading the question. So it's a lot of quick reaction. Can I get in before anyone else does in that like fraction of a second? And so during that first game, I hadn't gotten a handle of it yet. So this wasn't really visible on the TV screen, but actually multiple times during that game, I was like changing my grip on the signaling device, trying to find what was comfortable for me and I started getting it towards the second half, but mm-hmm. by that point, Tyler was just like far and away, like way ahead of me. So I, I couldn't catch up with him. But during the next game, I came back the next day and started buzzing in more comfortably. That's good. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get more comfortable as you as you play more. And other in terms of strategy and preparation, I know you kind of seem like you have an inclination towards STEM, science, technology, a little bit of music. Did you study once you knew you were going to be on the show? Did you go out and, you know, review world capitals, opera plays, like history categories? Did you go out and try to study any of that? Or did you just kind of say, I know enough about what I know? Yeah, for the college college championship episodes, mm-hmm. especially I felt really comfortable because they usually like adjust the difficulty and the content of the questions from the regular Jeopardy episodes to be more college oriented. Mm-hmm. So I felt a lot more comfortable with those so I didn't study specifically for the show and I think that was perfectly fine well of course it turned out fine for me but like doing stuff like quiz bowl Mm -hmm. especially that prepared me really well in like in my background so you had spent you had spent hours in your basement with your friends playing playing jeopardy so Mm -hmm. exactly it was a lot more of your of your training yeah and whenever people ask me nowadays like how, how do I like study to get on the show? 
the main thing I tell them is just just watch the show. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're watching the show and like you'll pick up some of the stuff that they ask about repeatedly, or if you don't get something, it's really easy to like Google something and learn more about it. Definitely, that's one thing I I mean I watch pretty consistently and kind of the, the European monarchs they come on all the time and I do not know any of the European monarchs. That's like one thing I could instantly identify. I've not picked up even with years of playing. Yeah, uh, from home stuff like that. It's like people make videos on YouTube about all of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. if you look up like AP, like European history study videos, like that's mm-hmm. no people are making interesting stuff about that, and that's an easy way to learn. Sure. So what about you in terms of uh, tournament of champions? So for the listeners here, when you win the college tournament, that's a berth in the best of all time kind of tournament of champion series. So that's higher stakes, not the collegiate kind of more centered questions for students. That's like the real deal. Do you have a plan to study for that? Or are you going to kind of rely on a different strategy? Yeah. So that is, it's definitely going to be a lot harder. There are a lot of really good people who are going to be in the upcoming tournament. People like Jason Zufranieri, Jennifer Quayle. Yeah. Just a lot of really good contestants who I've seen on the show over the past year or two. And my plan to get ready for that is exactly what I tell other people to do. I'm just going to be watching the show and uh, looking up things that I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sure. So one question uh, that I'm wondering about is, so for years you've been collecting all this information, all these facts into your head, right? How does knowing all of these things that seem random influence how you see the world? It's... I think stuff like literature and history, it's definitely, it makes you, (laughs) it makes you cultured, I guess, in a sense where like a lot of like people who are writing like pieces in the news or in magazines and stuff like that, they'll make like references to stuff in literature and history. And you'll be like, oh, I understand the point they're trying to make because I know about this thing that happened in history, or I know about this, this poem or something like that. And stuff like science, which actually doesn't come up as much in Jeopardy as I wish it would. Science is really important for like learning more about the world that we live in and the mm-hmm. technology that we interact with day to day. So it's a lot of like just being aware of what's going on in the world and being able to communicate effectively with other people. Mm-hmm. Would you say that it comes up more often than, than not? Like, you know, random tidbits you'll, you'll use in your everyday life? It's kind of subconscious. I suppose mm-hmm. it probably does, but I there's not really been any moments in life where I've, I'm like talking to someone and like I make a reference to something and I consciously think, oh, someone who's been on Jeopardy might know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like, oh yeah, this is the thing that happened. And it's just part of my like vocabulary mm-hmm. and the way that I interact with people. Yeah, it's just a more general approach to life of just things that are worth knowing you store because they're worth knowing or you choose to have them in memory because there's the, it's just like when you read a book, you know, you choose what you want to, Oh, that sounds like something I think would be important in my life at whatever point, whether or not being on Jeopardy in the future is in the back of your head. Yeah. And it's not even just stuff like literature and history. It's like current events as well. Like knowing more about the world. Like if you talk to someone about like X A E A 12, like <laughs> some people will know what you're talking about mm-hmm. and like, some people won't and that'll you know that'll affect what con- kind of conversations you're having with them elon musk's baby i i got that one 
yeah. <laughs> who, who is Elon Musk's baby? Exactly. Do you have a specific process? So if you do encounter something or you watch one of those European history videos or you uh, watch a crash course music history, do you have a process for committing things to memory? Do you use like a spaced repetition app like Anki and kind of create flashcards? Or do you are kind of naturally gifted with here at once, it's in my head kind of memory? Or what's that process like for you? I would say I'm not naturally gifted with memory. I I have no idea what my best friend's favorite colors are as well. So <laughs> not not super gifted in that aspect. But I, I don't really flashcard either. It's more of I learn really well, like in a classroom setting or when I like hear things multiple times over and over again, as I think is true for a lot of people. So I paid pretty good attention in like my high school history classes, my high school English classes. And I was like really engaged in those classes as well. And I think that was a big reason why I've committed that stuff and remembered them long-term. So I would say it's not like I have a really good memory for like really random things. It's Mm -hmm. just when I do learn something, I get really engaged in it. Okay. I guess a kind of follow-up question is in the future, if now that you kind of have a more specific intention in mind, do you have a plan for like, do you, like you said, repeated exposure, do you want to watch those videos six times and have them on while you're cooking, have them on while you're reading? Do you want to, like, what would your process be going forward? Because that's how you learn in the past, just by being a good student, but kind of like a self-directed approach, how would that change? Yeah, for a self-directed approach, it's kind of like, maybe I'll like watch a video on like Crash Course or something. Mm -hmm. And if something seems really interesting to me from that video, I'll just find another video on it and then find another video on it. So it's not the same thing over and over again per se, but it's the same ideas or topics, but presented in different lights. Definitely. I've heard that's, that's a great way to learn anything is kind of seeing the same idea talks about in multiple contexts and that one of those contexts will give you some sort of connection to another idea. And at that point it'll be pretty well stored in your head. So kind of now that you've finished this initial tournament, right? What was it like for you going back to kind of your just, I mean, more, more or less you have a lot in common with Kyle and I, you're a college student and you're doing engineering co-ops, you're doing internships. I mean, you, your life plan wasn't, I'm going to make all my money on Jeopardy and retire. So what was no. it like kind of going back to a more normal, traditional student life after having won a lot of prize money and getting some sort of national recognition? It's, of course, all of this has been like, like thrown into disarray by the coronavirus, right? But it's, it's my, my social media has been more affected, like more affected than my daily life, just because in my daily life, like, I haven't been able to see as many people as it would have because of lockdown and stuff like that. But my social media presence, now I've found that like, like my Instagram, my TikTok, my Twitter, like all of those. Yes, I have a TikTok, haha. But all of those, it's more of before I was on the show, I could just post what I want to and express myself. But now it's whatever I post on there is reflective of like myself, reflective of the show, reflective of like the state of Minnesota. So it's a lot more like scrutiny, I feel like. You gotta be more conscious about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. There are in some respects like a public figure, at least for a period of time or depending on how the publicity cycle plays itself out. Yeah. That reminds me of like people on Instagram who put like public figure in their bios. (laughs) (laughs) I did, I did switch my Instagram account to like, I think it's like, you can upgrade it to like a professional account. account. 
Yeah, but mm -hmm. I, I didn't make it display the public figure on there because I was like, no, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those people. <laughs> not ready for that level of pretension. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I also saw in some of the media, not necessarily social media, but just the media and promotional material surrounding the college tournament that y'all kind of interacted as a little group for a while. Did you make friends? Are you still in touch with any of those people? Do they have like activities for you all? Because it kind of looked like y'all kind of became friends over those three to four days they shot the tournament. Yeah, so the first time we met was on like at 7 a.m. in the hotel lobby when we were supposed to be there the first day that we filmed the tournament. And that was the first time we had ever met each other, even though we had all been like staying in the same hotel over the past two days. We had a couple days free over that weekend before they actually started filming. So we only met the day that we started filming and we basically spent the whole day at the studio together, hung out in the evening, spent most of the second day in the studio together and then hung out in the evening again. And then that was pretty much it. So only like 48 hours of in-person interaction that we had but we got really close over those over those 48 hours and since then we've had like zoom like group zoom calls multiple times we have a, a group chat that we regularly text and send like messages and memes and stuff in so mm -hmm. we've still like stayed connecting i mean that's a pretty high powered group of people mm -hmm. at least in theory right the 15 students that got selected from the country of a self selecting sample of people that go online on their own to take assessments of how smart they are and what they know. So, I mean, that's, that's a pretty interesting group to be plugged into. Yeah, everyone, it's really cool to see like how like everyone in our group has like different like college and like career and life plans. We're like a pretty diverse group as it is in terms of like what we see ourselves doing in the future after college. And so I'm definitely going to be like checking in with people, seeing how they're doing like down the road, even like years from now because it's just really it's fascinating to see people with different perspectives than mine sure uh, i think that is really cool especially like what lewis had said about it self-selecting it's like you're almost filtered down to be to be like friends because you have so much in common already through wanting to be on jeopardy you know i would say that's probably part of the audition process as well and when they're selecting people mm-hmm so do you have any plans about what you're going to do with the prize money? So I've made a couple purchases already. A couple, like it's been like a week or two since I bought a bass guitar, an electric bass from just someone selling it on Facebook Marketplace here in Minneapolis. I bought um, a piece of like, music production software as well. So a lot of music related things. I've also been looking into getting a new guitar as well. So some mm -hmm. just, yeah, a lot of music related stuff. TikTok props, continuing to follow your <laughs> passions. <laughs> yeah, nothing related to TikTok. I don't have those, <laughs> the multicolored lights that those kids use, but <laughs> I don't know. That's funny. Well, another thing that was really notable about your play style is your, your big bets. You kind of went all in a couple of times. Uh, and it paid off a lot of those times, obviously, as you're performing pretty well. Do you kind of have any plans for taking any gambles with this money you have, throwing it at some investments or various kind of side projects or things like that? And where do you think you learned that kind of uh, all-in attitude? High risk, yes. high reward. Yeah, so as far as like managing the money that I've won, yeah, definitely 
investing, just trying to keep it safe and being able to grow it for the future. Sorry, I missed the second part of your question. Where do you think you developed that kind of all in high risk, high reward mentality? Or is that something that was just because it was a game and you had the confidence to do that or something that shows up in other respects in your life where you're kind of willing to take those riskier bets? I'd say it's mostly in the game, honestly, just (laughs) because of like knowing like the strategy of the game and having had that practice, having played it before, I know that if I can get this question right, then, you know, I'll get that money. And it helps like to when you're when you're playing the game to not think of it as like oh i just won four thousand bucks or oh i just like lost four thousand bucks it's it's kind of just like there are points Points. in the game that are helping you win Mm -hmm. i think it's a healthier attitude and it'll help you like keep a more level head especially in game shows if you're not thinking of it as like oh this cost me real money yeah the psychology of it is very very different i mean there's plenty of stuff like in the book predictably irrational by dan ariely you know you can say something's free versus 25 cents versus an exchange for something not monetary and it completely changes how people uh, interact with it in like not a rational sense so i understand that i mean even in like the tournament of champions game i was watching a rerun last night with like uh brad and james holzhauer and ken jennings they were they decided to make that game in points for that kind of same reason so one last question i have for you about the show before we get into like the bonus part of our interview is your final jeopardy answer I think pretty hilarious, a pretty great stunt you pulled. So this is the final, or I'll let you kind of set the stage for this. This is the final round of the final game of the tournament. And can you tell a little bit what happened there and what you decided to do? Yeah, so at that point, I had mathematically been guaranteed to win the whole tournament. And so the category came up, historical figures, didn't really matter what it was, but I looked at it and I was like, okay, I feel pretty comfortable in this. But Again, it didn't matter whether I got it right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing is, how much money do I wager on this? And I was trying to think, like, rack my mind for, like, you know, significant numbers that I could put down. I ended up just going with the current year, 2020. I could have, like, thought of something else. I don't know, maybe Mm -hmm. something like 1738, Fetty Wap reference in there. It was also (laughs) the score of my high school football team's state championship winning game. So that would have been another significant one for me. But I went with 2020. Question comes up. I know the answer is who is Charlemagne. So I write that down. I was like, no, let's 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 meme, right? And so actually (laughs) the day before that, my friend Marshall, who was a contestant on the tournament, he's from Texas. He had this idea of if any of us contestants have like a runaway game, then we should say who the man. And then when Alex reads it out, say you the man, Alex. So crossed out my answer, wrote down who the man. And then when Alex read it out, just responded, you the man, Alex. And uh, that was a, a lot of fun. I definitely got some attention for that on social media. That was a very funny and move. And he took the bait perfectly, which is pretty funny. <laughs> I've seen people try to pull like a little joke like that in Final Jeopardy and flop when he doesn't get it or their handwriting's bad. So that's pretty, were you nervous <laughs> or you're like, nah, this is going to work? I think they actually... When I was reading out the, like, you to man, Alex, I think in the studio, they weren't, like, like projecting my mic to the live audience. So mm-hmm. I thought it might have been, like, covered up by, like, Alex's talking and it wouldn't make it to the final cut. But I was glad it did. It definitely adds to, like, the, the f- appeal of the show. It's funny, you know, there's some humor. It's, it's good to have that, like, dynamic element to it. So that's a pretty legendary way to close out yeah, the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. It, it shows your personality, too, <laughs> willing to do that. 
Oh gosh. I, I was reading some things on the internet talking about like my all in daily doubles and stuff like that and telling like power moves and stuff like that. I was like, Oh gosh, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to play my game. You know, I'm glad that people are enjoying it. But I was like, okay, this is a interesting take on it. Yeah. You, you can't read the, you can't read too much into the internet's <laughs> takes on you. Yeah. That's funny. So let's transition now into kind of the more bonus type of questions. So you're going to, you're rising junior in college. You're either just finished up your sophomore year or you're finishing it up. So what are some goals kind of next couple of years in college and then first couple of years out you have for yourself personally, professionally, whatever you want to go into? Yeah. So during my last few years of college, of course, I've got like graduation requirements to take care of. And I'm part of multiple student groups here at the University of Minnesota. Like I give tours of campus and part of the pep band, part of our quiz bowl club here at Minnesota. So a lot of stuff that keeps me engaged and uh, ultimately, it's about just enjoying this time in my life and uh, developing myself into a future engineer, which is what I want to do after graduation. So yeah, professional life, I don't see myself going to grad school after college. I think it'll be straight into industry. For me, yeah, just an engineering type job, process engineering, working in those fields that you mentioned earlier, like water or consumer products or yeah, any of those, any of those kinds of stuff. And so that's kind of what I have in mind now. Of course, a lot can change in a couple of years. And I would be excited to see what changes might be down the road for me. Well, you'll be able to listen to this podcast, look back and see how it changed. <laughs> so you mentioned a few times YouTube and, and watching videos. I don't know if you're a reader, but if you could mention your, your favorite books and maybe if not your favorite YouTubers. Yeah, so I'd say some books that had a significant impact on learning have been like, you know, the book Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. It's part of like uh -huh. a whole series anthology of books that he's written about like that universe. So I was really into those books, especially because stuff like, like sci-fi, especially with Orson, like Scott Card, he's done so much research and there's a lot of like so much interesting stuff with like history and literature that he's like stuffed into those mm -hmm. books about like, you know, like a t in Ender's Game, it's about like a teenager, like a child. And there's just so much information in there. Every single reference to like a different culture or like a piece of literature is something that I could like Google up and learn more about. As far as educational YouTubers, there's, there's just so much. I mean, three blue, one brown is a really good one that I mm -hmm. like for math. He's definitely that guy is the guy. best. I love him on Twitter. Yeah, and then Physics Girl, she makes a lot of cool like science demo type stuff on her channel. So I like watching her stuff as well. Awesome, Ender's Game. I love that book. It's been a long time since I read it, but my favorite characters were definitely the brother and sister. How they like. Yeah ran the ran the world like and he had no idea anyways yeah it's it's crazy it's the plot is so cool and just yeah there's just so much cool stuff like oh. i said i like that so next question here is what is some of the best piece of advice you've ever been given or just the one piece of advice you've been given that's been really helpful in your life that's kind of general so we can hear it down if you think you need to <laughs> oh gosh yeah i gotta think about that one so, so when you say like best piece of advice, I'm thinking of like quotations from my mind and there aren't that many like quotations that I specifically remember people telling me except yeah. for a couple from my sixth grade teacher 
Let's roll with neither, it then. Neither of which I like put into impact. Like I don't put either of these into practice in my daily life, but one of them is, so my sixth grade teacher, he was in the Marine Corps and he told us these were two things that they like told him at like boot camp. One of which is smile, tomorrow will be worse. And then the second oh. one is the beatings will continue until morale improves. So I don't really, I don't really think about those a lot, but I'd say. It's funny that those two are, are what you said. Six yeah. <laughs> or there's another, there's like a Winston Churchill one that goes, if you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. It's like, those are some kind of like dark, like dark times get darker. So just don't yeah. expect it, just wear a smile kind of thing. Yeah, maybe in- interesting quotes to share with a bunch of like sixth graders. Uh-huh. But maybe yeah. if I were to provide like a quote myself, I would say something sure. along the lines of um, the only person you control can control is yourself. So like that's kind of how I live my life. Whereas like I'm just going to make my own choices and uh, regardless of the situation I'm in, just make sure I'm going to be in control of myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. focus on your kind of internal locus to control and don't get too bogged down by the things beyond your control. That's a, a better path to not having anxiety and not being upset and not being feeling defeated all the time and some more kind of negative ways to experience the world. It's more empowering that way as well, I think. Yeah. And I'd say also because like being on like Jeopardy, of course, is like a lot of people's like dream. It's their dream to be on the show that they've watched for so long. And they'll say like, Oh, I, I, man, I've been trying to get on the show for so long. Like, can you give me any tips to do it? And I can say, yeah, you can study and prepare in these ways. But ultimately, if you like are trying your best and it doesn't happen for you, like you shouldn't be too upset because there's loads of other good things in life that you can still make the best of. And loads of factors out of your control determining whether or not you make it on the show. Yeah. Yeah. And I Uh, think all of us contestants felt super lucky to be there i don't think any of us were acting like you know super like pompous or anything yeah mm-hmm. entitled exactly but it's all about just enjoying whatever experience you're you're giving mm-hmm. sure um uh, on a different note what is the best purchase that you've made under 100 dollars in the past year oh gosh the hard one i'd say a capo for my guitar so for those of you who don't play guitar a capo is a little clip? tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it clips onto your guitar and it makes it easier to play in different keys. So you can play loads of different songs on guitar that are recorded in different keys than if you didn't have a capo. And it makes it easier, particularly if you want to play along with the actual recording of the song to play along. Or if you're singing along and the original recording's not in a key that's good for your voice, you can change what key it's in. and sing along more comfortably so that's been just really great for me in terms of playing guitar i think capo's pretty cheap as well like maybe like 20 bucks i if i recall correctly so not not a huge purchase that's a pretty solid answer there yeah that's a great answer absolutely i like that uh who would be some of the role models in your life people that you kind of model yourself off of or some positive influences they can be people you know or people you read about or a mixture I'd say, um, Alex Trebek. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I was going to say, yeah, Alex is, Alex is a cool guy. I was going to say Ken Jennings. He's just really a, a good natured oh, yeah. guy. If you follow him on social media, he's like, he shares his own opinions and he's like confident about them, but he's not like 
like super full of himself. And so still, still being a humble guy and while, while still doing your best to like portray yourself as who you are. Yeah. I like that. Absolutely. Good, uh, on brands mentor. Yeah. Have you had the chance to meet him or is there like Jeopardy, uh, Jeopardy winners networking events, you know, that you could go to or like a, a Facebook group with all the, the, the goats? Oh gosh, I wish. Um, on our last day of filming the college championship, it was also the last day that Maggie Speak, who is one of the producers of Jeopardy, she was retiring that day and she was having a retire- retirement party later that evening. And some of us college contestants were looking on social media and we noticed that Ken was in LA and we were like, oh my gosh, is, is Ken going to be there? And Maggie was like, maybe. Well, ultimately, none of us college contestants got invited to that party. So never found out whether there or not maybe uh, the, the first day meet him he'll just be standing to your right in front of the board and you're gonna be like oh god <laughs> 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 just with that little uh divider that glass divider that's pretty funny so one last question here where can people find you like like physically like I'm no, just no, no. Yeah, <laughs> online my bad where, where yeah. can people follow you follow the journey <laughs> You made that sound like a spiritual question. <laughs> You're like uh, on the, uh, the, hike, the hiking trails of Minnesota where I'll be doing my soul searching for the next six weeks. Yeah, so my street address is yeah. <laughs> um, on Twitter. I'm Jeopardy underscore Nabir. On TikTok and Instagram, I'm nibs.s. That's N-I-B-S dot S. So yeah, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Those are my main social media accounts. Awesome. Oh, Perfect, man. Thank you uh, for doing this interview with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, my family does a, uh, we do sometimes a Zoom Jeopardy. If you want to hop on and show us up, you're welcome to do so. Honestly, but, uh, I'm pretty bored nowadays. Like I'm looking for anything to occupy my time. So yeah. Well, you know, we <laughs> play a- uh, invite. Oh, dude, for sure. We'll get you- What is that, like nine central? Yeah, nine yeah. central. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, we, if we can be uh, competing against the champ, you know, we might be able to move some things around. But- uh, <laughs> Thanks for coming on with us, man. Uh, looks like you got a lot of bright things in your future in uh, your field of engineering and uh, the rest of your activities and all the fun stuff you've kind of established for yourself over your college career. So thanks for doing this interview with us and we wish you all the best, man. Yeah, Absolutely. glad to be here. That wraps up our interview with Nabir Sarma, Jeopardy champion and student at the University of Minnesota. I really enjoyed our conversation with him and hope you all did as well. Kyle, where can people find us to support us and listen to the show? Lewis, people can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Lewis Kyle Show. If you enjoyed the show and want to support us, please leave, leave us a rating or review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you on the next one. Thanks, guys.